to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. We are wrapping up our sermon series on the Magnificat, the song that Mary sings when she finds out that she is pregnant. We've been working our way through. Jeff looked at the first half last week. We're going to look at the second half this week as we kind of finish that up. But before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for this word. And we pray that you would be with us now as we read it, that these words would be your words, that you would speak to us, in us, through us, among us. Lord, that we would more faithfully be your people And may this time, may this encounter with your word be so powerful that we cannot walk away unchanged. In your name we pray, amen. I decided this morning that we should read the whole hymn like Jeff did last week, even though we're really only going to concentrate on part of it. But I didn't tell anybody that, so the slide's not correct, and that's my fault. So I'm going to read, again, the whole hymn. It goes from 46 to 56. The slide will pick up about midway. So I would invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name, His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've told you several times, you've heard me reference the trip that I got to take to the Holy Land with a whole bunch of pastors from all over Atlanta. There were Baptists and Lutherans and Methodists and Catholic and Presbyterians. And and we journeyed all through the Holy Land getting to see so many cool sights. One of my favorite was the Basilica of Annunciation. Now, this church is built in the place that's traditionally believed to be the spot where the angel told Mary that she is pregnant, that she's going to be giving birth to the Savior. It's so cool. So you walk in. We walked into this this side, I guess. You go in, and you can look down, and there is the grotto, the cave. It's like a very traditional, what I'm assuming, I didn't live then, but I'm assuming it's a very traditional, what a home would have looked like. This is what Mary's home would have looked like. And as we came in, there are priests there, and they're having a midday prayer, and, and there's a worship service going on. It was so cool. And then you go up the stairs and this magnificent sanctuary is up there. And when they were building the sanctuary, they invited countries from all over the world to contribute a rendering of Mary. So there's this beautiful art 
everywhere. There's statues and paintings and, and just Marys everywhere. And, and Marys with all these different facial expressions and, and different stages of understanding or comprehending or accepting the fact that she's giving birth to the Savior. It was, it's, it's just beautiful. And the whole time I'm walking around and I'm thinking, it's, it's just interesting how all over the world people understand Mary in such a different light as we see all these different images all around us. And that's what I wondered this morning. How, how do we understand Mary as we enter into this conversation, as we look at this hymn that she's saying when she found out she was having this baby? How do we understand Mary? And the more I thought about it, the more I thought we really can't separate this song that Mary sings. We can't separate it from that moment, from that time when the angel came to visit her and to give her this news. So I want us to think about that time, that moment, that's really just only about 10 verses before the passage we read today. The angel visits Mary and breaks the news to her that in spite of the fact that she's a virgin, she's going to be a mother, and not just a mother, but mother to the son of the Most High. As a matter of fact, the angel says, the Lord's going to give this child the throne of the ancestor of David, and he will reign in the house of Jacob forever. That's a lot of information to spring on a young, unwed adolescent girl. For one thing, these are major promises that generations upon generations have been holding on to and looking for, and here she's the one that's supposed to hold the fulfillment of that promise. But also, and let's face it, if you're a young girl, this might have been the more troubling part. This is a big ask. Mary's young. She's not married. This is going to bring an incredible amount of shame on her and on her family. Not to mention there's some scientific issues with this whole thing. So surely Mary is asking herself, is this even something I can believe? Is this even possible with very little status, very little influence, and no marital relations whatsoever, how can she be the one who is chosen to bear the Savior in her womb? And if she does choose to believe this that the angel tells her, if she chooses to believe it, then she will have to bear the disbelief of those around her. It's a lot to ask. And so that's why Mary's response to the angel's visit is so important. And I felt like we just couldn't spend any more time in the hymn until we remembered Mary's response to the angel. So in verse 38, Mary gives us one of the most significant verses in all of scripture. She says, here I am, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary didn't say, but I don't even like those people, like Jonah said. Mary didn't say, but I'm too young, like Jeremiah had said. She didn't say, but wait, I stutter, like Moses had said. She didn't say, but I've made too many mistakes in my life, like Isaiah said. Mary says, yes. Without protesting, without doubting, without questioning, just faithfully, willingly, Mary says yes. 
As a matter of fact, Mary is the only person in all of scripture that so willingly, without hesitation, says yes to God's ask. And so for generations, we have honored Mary. We've praised her faithfulness. But for some reason, we insist on representing her by placing her sweetly with a meek and mild smile on her face in every Christmas pageant, instructing her not to have any lines, but to stand with a passive look on her face, gently holding the plastic baby Jesus while Joseph hovers over her awkwardly with his hand on her back. It is as if somehow saying yes to God without any hesitation makes us think that she didn't have very much gumption to her. And so that, it is that context that I want us to bring then into this passage that we're reading today, this hymn that Mary is singing, this celebration for the baby in her womb Like so many mothers-to-be, she's overwhelmed with gratitude that she's been chosen to carry this baby. And she sings the beginning of that hymn that we heard her sing. Her soul magnifies the Lord, and her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. And she sings. And she sings because singing is what we do when we're happy, or when we're sad, or when we're overwhelmed, or when we're passionate, or when we're in awe. Singing is what we do when our feelings are too deep or too big or too intense for a spoken word to hold them. This music has a way of reaching in and and connecting with a part of us that we otherwise cannot reach. It speaks to our souls and in the souls, it speaks to the souls of those around us. When our group was in Jerusalem, we also got to visit the Church of St. Anne. Now, the Church of St. Anne stands in the place that's traditionally recognized to be Mary's childhood home, the place where she grew up, and that's why it's dedicated to her mother, Anne. And somebody in here is much smarter than I am and can explain like walls and ceilings and acoustics, but this church is known for its acoustics. People from all over travel to stand in this church and sing. We were not a traveling group of musicians. (laughs) We were all pastors. But we did want to participate, and so we went in and we listened to the groups sing, and it's just all this beautiful music and these groups coming through, and and we decided, yes, we would sing. So when, when the other groups had moved through, we went to the front, And in spite of the fact that the church is full of tourists and other pilgrims and and people who have come through, there's all kinds of people talking all over the place, our group of non-musician pastors, we agree on the first verse of Amazing Grace. So we sing the song. It's fine. It's really not anything to talk about. So after we get done singing, the Catholic deacon who's in our group, he, he raises his hand and he says, if I may have a moment... We don't know what's about to happen. And he always brings interesting things. We thought maybe a a nice Catholic midday prayer or something. He says, sure, yeah, absolutely. The floor is yours. And he opens his mouth and he begins to sing Ave Maria in the most beautiful way. The music that comes out of him, it it was beautiful and perfect and it fills up the entire church and every single person in the room froze. No one talked, 
No one moved. Everything was perfectly still while this gorgeous melody gracefully glided out of this sweet man and wrapped itself around every single soul in the place. It was a prayer in its finest form, being lifted up. And even though most of us in the room did not speak the same language at that moment, we were all enveloped in the same prayer, the same blessing. It was one of the most beautiful and powerful moments that I have ever felt the literal presence of God. And because Mary feels the presence of God with her, Mary sings. And she sings this beautiful song that's held us for generations, teaching us about the power of the presence of God. And her song communicates this powerful message, but I am certain it's a message that really no one then and maybe no one now is really prepared to hear. Because while we have assigned her this passive, non-speaking role, what Mary sings in her song are these strong words about why the, the birth of Jesus is significant. Remember what the second half of that song is. is she says this, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Did y'all remember that Mary said this? This is big. We can't just accept a quiet, passive Christmas pageant Mary as the truth about who she was because Mary didn't just say yes to God and then keep silent as she went about her maternal duties. Mary also said no. She was bold enough to declare a no to the world, a no to the things that are not of the reign of God the things that make this world divisive and unjust. She's saying no to the people who have been in power, who are always in power, who think they deserve to remain in power. She's saying no to the people who use so much and then don't leave enough for those who are hungry and vulnerable. She's saying no to systems of injustice and generational oppression. She's saying no to over-spiritualizing the coming Christ child and then ignoring the literal hands-on work that needs to be done to care for God's people. There is no way for us to ignore the radical statements that Mary is making here. This is why Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor and theologian who was executed by the Nazis, he called the Magnificat the most passionate the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary hymn ever sung. It's in the past century, there were at least three separate instances of governments banning the public recitation of the Magnificat. There is a Yale divinity professor who warns us, Carolyn Sharp warns us, don't envision Mary as the radiant woman peacefully composing the Magnificat. Instead, see her as a girl who sings defiantly to God through her tears, clenched against an unknown future. 
When we do this, she goes on to say, Mary's courageous song of praise becomes a radical resource for those seeking to honor the holy amid the suffering and conflicts of real life. Y'all, Mary is a boss. In spite of her age and status, she says yes to God without hesitation. And in spite of her age and status, Mary says no to the things of the world that are not of the reign of God with boldness and certainty. This is what makes Mary so amazing. Certainly, her womb played a very special role but it was her ability to say yes when she needed to say yes and no when she needed to say no and the wisdom to know the difference. And so this morning, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, that's the question we're asking. What's the difference? How do we know when to say the yes and when to say the no? And Mary gives us that. She reminds us of how we know in that very last verse of the the passage that we just read, when she reminds us that God has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. You remember the promise that he made to Abraham. The promise that he made was, I will be your God and you will be my people. The promise is a restoration of the relationship of God and God's people, that we are the people of God. So the boldness to say yes and the boldness to say no came not from Mary's ability to to garner up enough strength. It came from the assurance of who God is and who God promises to continue to be. The promise of the reign of God is the promise of how we are intended to live in that. When Mary acknowledges that she belongs to God, that she is part of the people of God, it is then that she can boldly say yes to who God's asking her to be. She can be grounded in the promise that God allows us to be the people of God in the most faithful of ways. We did make it to Bethlehem, to the church of the nativity, the church that is, stands where they believe that Mary gave birth to Jesus. I'm going to be real honest with you because we're in church. It was not my favorite stop. <laughs> it, just, it just felt like everything was all messed up there. This church, it's, it's a huge church, and there are 17 gazillion people everywhere. It's super crowded. It's July, so there's no air conditioning. You're, you're just so hot, and, and the place is so ornate, and for me to say something is extra, that's ridiculous. It was so much, and the, these people, and it, it was so sweaty and and we're standing in line forever to get down there and and so we stand in line and I'm getting just so irritated and we stand in line and and we go down and as we go down the the lady is like now here where the star is that's the place where Mary gave birth and here is where the manger sat she doesn't know where the manger was sitting she wasn't there there's no way they can prove this I have now completely lost my patience with the whole situation And so we wait and wait and wait and wait. And we we go down into the the grotto, the cave. And the people in front of me, the two people in front of me, 
they needed the best picture for their Instagram. And they would pose and look at their phone and pose and look at their phone, dragging this out longer and longer. My point here, my point here is nothing's how it's supposed to be. This is not how, this isn't the holy, sacred spot where Jesus is born. It's chaos. It's sweaty. It's not how it's supposed to be. So I go down. It is finally my turn. The Instagram influencers are done. And it's finally my turn. And here's the thing about getting to that star. It's down in this like alcove kind of a thing. And to get in there, to get in, to, to meet the place of the Savior, you have to get on your knees. And so I crawl in to touch the star. And there, there looking at the star, you're reminded that the birth of the Christ child, that what that means to us, it's a reminder of that promise, from, the promise to Abraham, the promise to Mary, the promise to us that we are God's people. And that even when, or maybe especially when, everything is not right that's going on around us, the promises of God are still true that we can believe them, that we can trust them, and because of them, we can boldly declare the yeses and the noes of the reign of God. Friends, the Christ child is coming. Be bold. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for for your promises and for the way that you continue to assure us that they are true, that, that we can stand on those promises. And Lord, let us take those promises and live out the reign of God here on earth, boldly declaring the yeses and the noes. In your name we pray. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.